All right, this is Larry and Terrence with the Black Financial Initiative. This is the second part of the two-part interview with the owner of You Know It Fit Studio, Alyssa, and the DFW. Let's get it going. Yeah, so you're putting us on game on that business now, and, and this is Black Financial Initiative. So you, you said something earlier about, I guess, your past relationship with with financial literacy. So, so what has that maturation been like and what is the importance of having some financial literacy or what importance do you see now as a, a business owner? <laughs> it's, it's, it's so important. I can honestly say I still, I know more than I knew when I started, but I also have an accountant now. My best friend uh, does my she does all I just send her I just send her whatever she say send her and then she tell me what to do and where to put the funds and she she tries her best to educate me but she knows me like I I, I don't I don't it makes my head hurt it really <laughs> makes my head hurt but um I I, I want to say I was talking to her before I had her as an accountant I didn't have any money in savings I didn't understand wasn't really making enough to save if I'm being honest I was just breaking even or I was dipping into the next month's money to pay you know that type of thing uh, but once I started working with her and she kind of started to really separate my expenses and this is this this is that this is what you know you need to have separate accounts I had I had my business account but I was just working from a business account and that's what most small business owners are doing like they have a business account they just have one account they don't actually ever pay themselves into a separate account or, you know, have that type of thing. And it's really hard to see the separation. You don't really know what you're making versus what you're taking home. If it's all one lump sum, you're just constantly spending money that you probably shouldn't be spending. And so once I was able to make those separations, he got me kind of hooked up with online bank accounts um, and those type of things. I went from having zero dollars in savings to saving 10 grand in about six months. And that was just because I was spending money that I had no clue that I was, I'm just spending it, I don't know. And she's like, yeah, you you order, like something from Amazon is coming to your house every day, sis. I need, <laughs> I need for us to reel it in. <laughs> reel it in, we need to, you know, see, and it's, it's honestly allowed me to be able to have more of the things that I want now that I'm actually a lot more uh, disciplined with my money. Before I was just spending like crazy, but I couldn't, really place it anywhere were you using a budget when you, did you start using a budget yes she has me um on a budget and the, the thing the good thing about I guess the way my finances work right now is I don't I don't have a lot of business expenses other than like my rent like overhead that type of thing it's not like I have employees I'm paying people out so it's not super intricate right now as far as like money going out which is really helpful but um she definitely has me on a budget and it's, it's so funny because she is my best friend. Like we do things, we do a lot of things together, spend money and stuff, but I'll do something and forget that like, she's going to be able to see, like, I have to send her my statement. She'll be like, Oh, so you went to, and I'm like, yeah, <laughs> yeah, that happens. That did, that had happened. See what happened was, but you're having a budget. Um, really helps she uses mint which i honestly hate because they be on you like white on rice like <laughs> my i i see you win 13 cents over you okay <laughs> my bad my bad so yeah i mean i still i feel like i still have a lot of work to do 
as far as budgeting and just being more meticulous, but just having that and understanding, you know, the importance of saving money so that I can have money to pay my taxes. Like that was a huge thing. I conceptually did not understand. Like, I know that I'm not like, I'm not, I got, I'm always going to owe as a business owner because I'm not being, I'm not taxing, you know, taxes are not coming out of any of this money that I'm making throughout the year. But then I'm like, where's the money supposed to, I'm just going to always owe the IRS money, like all the days of my life, I'm just going to owe them everything. And so once I got the accountant and she kind of started to really look at my funds and started to make me take a percentage out every month to put toward my taxes, it made things just a lot less stressful come tax time. Like, I don't feel like, all right, let me set up this payment plan because I owe these people so much money. <laughs> well, I, we got a little bit of your kind of the financial side of it we know you're a personal trainer and owner jam but the other side of it because uh, you wear many hats is the doula uh, part of it so how did the fitness side of things help you transition into being a, a doula man it it was crazy because um Initially, I, I told you guys I went to school for graphic design. I actually went to school to be a gynecologist. That was always my first passion, love. That's Since I was small, that's what I wanted to do. And life happened and I kind of got away from that uh, passion and just uh, being in college, being an athlete and trying to juggle like neuroscience and traveling. It just wasn't for me. I'm not happy. I was like, I loved the I loved the work and like neuroscience. I did really well, but just it was just a lot of work. And so I made the switch and I always knew um, that I wanted to somehow come back to that because it was a passion of mine. And as I got older, I learned about midwives and those type of things, other avenues that was not going to require me to go back to school, school, like um, that type of thing. And so I kind of just kept that. In my mind, once I became a trainer, I started to see a gap with the women that I was training. And it's like, I'm training them, they get pregnant and then they fall off the face of the earth. <laughs> like never to be seen again. And you know, early on, especially as a trainer, new trainer, you just think like, oh, she's pregnant. She'll just come back when she's not pregnant, I guess. Like not because it's just not a topic that's discussed very often. And then I kind of started to educate myself more and learn about the importance of actually maintaining uh, exercise, exercise routine throughout pregnancy. And that kind of led me to the, uh, to get my certification in pre and postnatal fitness uh, because it, it just made sense for my biz business model, like for the longevity of my clients. If I can keep my client throughout the entirety of their, you know, pregnancy financially, it makes more sense. That's, 10 months worth of income that I wouldn't have gotten and just, you know, six or eight weeks off that type of thing. And so um, I did that and I started to see how well that meshed and how much there just was not, there was a need for it. It was sort of a niche that nobody had tapped into as far as pre and postnatal fitness and strength training while pregnant. And then I just kind of fell into the whole doula thing from that sort of just in the research and kind of seeing what my clients' needs were um, and them sort of asking asking about doulas and it, learning that it, it was essentially more of a coaching type of thing. 
doula work essentially is advocacy for women in labor and predominantly uh, the push more now for women of color because of the birth disparities and the, the maternal rate, death rate for black women. And so me being someone that loves women and loves black women, I was like, oh, that's right up my alley. Like, you know, I want to be in a position to be able to help women traverse this other part of their journey safely um, and not feel like they have to be uh, sort of just, they're just another number and they just got to do whatever and, you know, and just be a part of this sort of environment where their best interest is not being taken into consideration because there's no real reason for it. Studies have shown that the only reason why Black women are dying at a much higher rate is simply because we are not being listened to, because doctors and nurses believe that Black women experience less pain, or, you know, like, there is just, it's steeped in systemic racism, like most things. So yeah, that's kind of how that happened, and it's just kind of gelled. Like, it's been really cool to be able to have clients and then train them before, you know, they get pregnant, train them throughout their pregnancy, be able to coach them through their labor and delivery, and then train them postpartum. That's real cool. So you were able to use another passion um, and, and make that another career for you. That's, that's really cool. Yeah, it's been awesome. Thank you. All right. So um, the people want to know, you're obviously in great shape. You're a former athlete and, and a trainer. What does your personal workouts and diet consist of? <laughs> Well, not including this week because I didn't do nothing. (laughs) (laughs) But generally speaking, uh, my workouts consist of lifting. I lift three times a week. It used to be more than that, but, you know, I'm getting old and I got a (laughs) I got a nurse injuries and it takes me a lot longer to uh, recover. So I do full body lifts Monday, Wednesday, Friday, and then I try to get in uh, some type of core and cardio two other days. So I'm being intentionally active at least five days um, out of the week. As far as eating, it depends on what my goal is. Uh, But usually I use a meal prep service called Refuel in the area because cooking is just not my portion right now. (laughs) Um, But that helps me stay on track. I'm big on tracking macros, tracking my protein, carbs, that's those type of things. Um, so I usually will get like a breakfast, uh, lunch and dinner from them. And then I'll cook my breakfast and have whatever snacks I need to hit whatever my uh, macros are, given whatever that goal is, whether it's weight loss, weight gain, weight maintenance, that type of thing. What does a full body workout, you know, kind of consists on a normal basis for you? Right now, generally what I have is uh, either like a hinge push pull or a squat push pull it's usually some type of push pull and then like my hinge or like my squat deadlift um that type of thing so it's generally is full body chest back I don't do a whole lot of uh accessory work right now I used to um like I don't really care about my biceps I can get I can hit my biceps with rows like you know because they're yeah, they're stabilizers. My, I haven't been working on my stabilizers um, a lot. So right now it's mostly just compound movements. I do a lot of squatting, deadlift, lunging, those type of things. Bench press, which I hate with a passion <laughs> and uh, that type of stuff. So I try to keep it pretty well-rounded um, and get a lot of my core and stuff hit during my workouts that's the beauty of functional training and using barbells is it requires a lot of core stability to complete movements bench is my favorite workout 
I'm not surprised. <laughs> it's a male thing. Yeah, because every time I go to the gym, y'all going to sit on that bench for three hours and do seven different variations of bench press. And I just be like, mm-mm. Nope. When I was uh, going to the gym regularly, uh, like I always would have to switch it up because I would try to do – and I would do more of like isolation as far as which body part I was going to do for each day. And if I put bench or chest early in the week, then by the time I got to the end of the week where it was going to be legs, like I might not make it Friday. So I was like, okay, <laughs> not, so I'm, like, I'm going to have to switch this up. Legs going to have to come early. Yeah. Cause you know, you're going to go bench. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. That, yeah. I mean, that's real, but that's how I am with, I, I'm the opposite. Like I'm like, I got to make bench the first thing I do. Because come Friday, I ain't going to do it. I'm not going to do it. I'm going to find any. I'll just do some push-ups. I'll just knock some push-ups out and be done with it. So it definitely, uh, I've had to work really hard to be consistent with stuff like bench press. I'll roll all day long. Press is fine. I like farmer's carries, all of that. But bench press, it's not my friend. (laughs) You mentioned it's more of a full body and compound movements. Is that a preference as opposed to the isolations because it relates more to functional uh, training or or what? Yeah, it it relates more to functional um, movement just in your day-to-day life. But also it's a better way, in my opinion, to hit more body parts. So the way I look at it is if, because I used to do splits, like lower, then I would do back buys, chest tries. Like I I used to do that for a long time. But um, if I can do chest three times a week in a push-pull split. Like if I'm doing push-pull three times a week, I'm hitting chest Monday, Wednesday, Friday, as opposed to me just hitting chest and tries on Tuesday. So now my volume, my actual like volume of work for a muscle group increases when I do full body. I'm able to hit, you know, chest more times than I would if I was just to do chest on Tuesdays. Uh, Same thing with legs. Like if I know that I'm wanting to increase my squat max, I know I need to squat more. So I'm able to hit, you know, I'm able to do some type of squat variation, back squat, goblet squat, front squat. I'm able to do that three times a week as opposed to just having a leg day on a Monday. And so I feel like it it makes you more well-rounded. And I tend to have, I tend to gravitate toward that more with my clients because especially my clients, I know that are not going to work out on their own. Like if you're only coming two days a week, I would prefer you hit legs twice and chest and upper body twice than just doing legs on Monday and then arms on Wednesday and then you're not working out again until next Monday. <laughs> like, Yeah, no, that, that makes sense. So what are the benefits of exercising regularly? You mentioned those, uh, some of your clients that might not be in there, you know, a, a lot, but what are the <laughs> benefits of, of being regularly? I mean, um, it lowers your chance for all types of <laughs> of health related like risks, heart disease, diabetes, high blood pressure, um, just being overweight in general. Also, I think a lot of times people sleep on mobility, like especially as I've gotten older and as being someone that is fairly active, just getting older is you're just less mobile. Like I, I wake, I woke up from a nap the other day and my foot hurt and I was like, all I did was sleep. I didn't even wow, is this 30? Because all I, I was just laying on the couch. I didn't even do anything. So I think that people don't take into consideration how important it is to be mobile as you get older. If you're someone that wants to be older, 
if you have kids, you want to be able to run with your kids and do those type of things with your kids and just be able to uh, be more self-sufficient the older you get. You got to stay active. If you don't use it, you lose it type of thing. So um, I think that a lot of people don't understand or don't appreciate the importance of movement every day. And I mean, we've seen just with this whole COVID pandemic, how important it is to be to have a healthy immune system, to be healthy, to not be overweight as being a contraindication for just having lung issues, you know, heart issues, it, the list goes on. So I definitely think that no matter what, even if you're not doing compound lifts and that's not for everyone, it's not what I'm saying at all. You should be moving in some capacity, walking, yoga. There's just so many ways to get moving every day. You should be doing something to move your body. Do you have any advice or tips for people that uh, struggle to find a regular, to implement a regular routine? Um, my biggest thing I would say to start is to start with something that you enjoy. If you know that uh, consistency is an issue for you, if you got to consistently do something that you hate, the chances that you're going to do it consistently are slim to none. So start with something that you enjoy. I tell my clients, you know, if you enjoy dancing, find dance workouts, find dance workout classes, do Zumba. Eventually you're going to have to progress from that. Yes. Into like, you know, progressive overload. You have to make new challenges, but in order to just get the consistency, find something that you enjoy doing and start small. A lot of times people stay overwhelmed themselves with too much. Like I got to work out two hours a day, six days a week after never having exercised for the last year. Start small, 10, 15 minutes a day. Find something, some way to elevate your heart for 15 minutes. And then maybe next week, try for 20 minutes, try for 30 minutes until you build up to an hour um, instead of kind of giving yourself a crash course, which you probably won't keep up with because it, it's just not what you're used to. For that person who's just starting off, um, and I know like you said, there's a lot of different exercises, but what would be uh, just a good exercise, I guess, for a man and, and maybe for a woman uh, if you're just starting off? Um, I would say master your squat. Squatting is probably one of the most fundamental movements and it is a full body movement um, once you get to the point where you're actually moving weight and you need core stabilization. Um, so yeah, I would say start with your squats. I really like I wanted to say deadlifts because I feel like deadlift is probably a more, more full body movement, but it also takes, you know, having good form. That, that takes like a, there's a learning curve more so with deadlift. So for someone that has never, you know, doesn't have really any background, I would say if I had to pick an exercise, start with squats. You're preaching on a deadlift because I, I have a, a garage gym and I cannot figure out how to do a deadlift. I watched YouTube. What? I watched YouTube. My, my deadlifts look terrible. So, <laughs> <laughs> I'm not going to lie to you. I, I haven't given up, though. I have not given up, but just I cannot figure it out. Man, okay, we got we to talk about that because it, <laughs> it's probably not as hard as you think, though. Like, and that's the thing with, um, with a lot of things, and that's something that I feel like I've – my knowledge base has matured over the years, even with squats, is that, you know, there used to always be, like – knees behind toes, you got to hit 90 degrees. And that has evolved over time. Knees over toes is not 
a bad thing. If you have long femurs, then how, like, you know, like everybody biomechanically is different. If your torso is shorter, your squat mechanics are going to look different. It's the same thing with deadlifts. Sometimes it's just a matter of your setup based on your body type that helps you get you in the right position or needing to deadlift from catches if bars too low to the ground. So it may not be as difficult as you think it is. It just may take some tweaking. Okay, I'm gonna have to figure it out. I'm gonna have to figure it out. Okay, so what diet and exercise suggestions uh, would you give somebody who's trying to lose weight? The trainer in me wants to say track your food because that's the simplest way to do it. <laughs> it's, it really is the simplest way to do it. It's, it. Weight loss is a simple, for most people without any other like hormonal issues or imbalances, as you just wanna eat less calories than you you know, like, it's just, it sounds so like, it kind of sounds asinine, like to a certain point, like, oh, it can't just be that simple. <laughs> it really is. Um, so I would say work on portion control, because most people are going to be daunted by the, the thought of having to track their food and my fitness pal, and all of those things. Work on your portion control. A lot of times we as Americans are overeating, like the portions are ridiculous for a lot of the things that we eat. So I would say work on your Portion control first, then you're going to want to work on your actual food choices. Um, so making sure that you're eating enough vegetables, you're eating complex carbs, not refined carbs. So you're having, you know, rice and the whole white rice, brown rice thing. Just eat the rice. Just make sure it's the right, <laughs> it's the right portion. It's not. There's just certain things that I think society has told us and they've told us about like, oh, like, Whole grain brown rice, hey, it's like one gram of fiber difference between the two. That's not the issue whether it's brown or white, but then you wanna start looking at like what you're eating. So making better choices, whole foods. I tell people all the time, when you go to the grocery store, the food you want is on the outside. You should not go through the aisles hardly, but for certain things. Most of the food that you want is gonna be in the produce. It's gonna be the fresh meat on the back wall. It's gonna be, you know, in the frozen food sections, the frozen vegetables and those type of things, just trying to limit your processed food and your uh, sugar. Because it's, it's more so a calorie thing. Like the more sugar something has, the more calories it's going to have. Is there something uh, to say about metabolism, like eating more times throughout the day? Do you see that? Um, there actually is newer. Um, I've been reading newer studies and conversations about that. It used to be a big thing of you need to eat small, you know, meals throughout the day. But science has kind of proven that it really doesn't matter. It really doesn't matter. It's kind of the same thing too with people thinking that their metabolism gets worse the older they get. That's also not true. <laughs> From like, I think this, the, the study that I just read maybe last week was saying I think from 20 to 60, your metabolism doesn't change. That's shocking to me. Yeah, and that's what everybody thought. That's what I thought. I was like, you know, you just assume you get older, your metabolism gets slower, but that's not really the case. Of course, genetics, there's other things, especially for women, you know, menopause, other things that play mm -hmm. a role in your body's ability to do things. But um, somebody the other day was saying that your genetics, yes, is the gun, but what you do, it matters. Like those are the bullets. So it's like you can genetically be predisposed to something and that be true. 
but what do you, it's about what you do that decides whether or not that gun goes off for that thing, whether it's diabetes, whatever, you have to be able to know those things and then act accordingly to prevent instead of react to a diagnosis. What about eating late at night? Is that, have you seen that that helps you or makes you gain weight? Nope. The timing for eating, those, those things, I'm not going to say that they don't matter. They do matter. And I don't honestly know as much about that because more so when you look at timing, that's more so for people that are doing like bodybuilding shows. There's certain, they have to be inputting carbs at a certain time to get their bodies to look a certain way. Majority of people are not <laughs> bodybuilding or not doing that type of thing. So it's not, it's not as important as people think. They like to fix say like, I'm not going to eat after 8 p.m. So if you eat at 8.05, what do you think is going to happen? Like if you eat at 9 p.m., what, you know, what do you think is going to happen? The chances are it's not that you're eating too late that's causing, that's causing the issue. It's the fact that you're not getting enough sleep. Why are you up <laughs> at midnight? That is probably more detrimental to your weight loss goals than actually eating at 12. You should be sleeping <laughs> at that time. Yeah, no, that, that makes sense. People just point to the time you ate, but they don't think what else is going on. Yeah, there's a lot of there's some other variables there that you, you know, that might be having to more so to do with your weight gain than what time you eat. All right. So I got a personal question. Um, I'm going to start trying to build some more muscle here pretty soon. What, what advice would you give me? You got to be at a caloric surplus to do that. I get a lot of guys that ask me about that. It's like, hey, I'm lifting, I'm lifting, I'm lifting, and I'm not really gaining weight. Well, what are you eating? Are you, do you know whether you're at a caloric surplus or not? They're like, no, I don't. You have to. <laughs> and it doesn't matter whether it's muscle. I mean, you're going to think about it is at a caloric surplus. If you dirty bulk, which is what we call it, which is just you just eat pizza, whatever. You just eat. You know, you still will gain muscle, but you're going to put on more fat. Um, that way, if you do it cleanly, you still will put on some fat, but you can kind of mitigate <laughs> that and not just blow up. But you have to be at a caloric surplus to gain weight. As far as rep ranges, it just depends on where you're at in your training. But again, if you're at a caloric surplus, the, the rep range is not as important. And that just means eating more calories than normal i'm guessing yeah eating more calories than you burn so there's tons of um calorie counters on online um and that's where i always tell my clients to start just find one just like everything else it's gonna be a sort of a guessing game because it's it's a calculator but you essentially what you want to do is you want to go in fill out all the stuff for whatever your goal is and you're going to try to hit those numbers so that's tracking your food on my fitness pal to make sure that you're getting enough protein, carbs, and fat. And you do that consistently for a week. Weigh yourself in the morning on the Sunday before you start. Do that for a week. Weigh yourself the next Sunday and see what happened. If you're not gaining weight, then you may need to increase by 200 or so calories just to, there just may be some discrepancy there. More times than not, if you're not losing weight, it's because you're not at a caloric deficit. If you're not gaining weight, it's because you're not at a caloric surplus. So I think if people spent more time in the nutrition and really like fine tuning that, you, they wouldn't have to work as hard <laughs> in the gym. So it sounds like your body is really made in the kitchen, is what it sounds like. 
It really is. It really is. I tell my clients all the time, you come, you don't come to training to lose weight. You come to training to get stronger, to get faster, to get more mobile, more flexible, whatever the case may be. What you put in your body is what's going to cause you to lose weight or not lose weight. Because you can work out all day long, but if you're not eating the right things, you're not going to get the result that you're looking for. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you, Terrence. What you got, sir? Hey, that was a uh, great, fantastic information there. I mean, I picked up a lot on pretty much everything that we've discussed today as far as the fitness standpoint and the, giving us information on uh, doula, uh, business. I mean, we gave people everything today. So really appreciate it. Thank you for joining in. Uh, before we depart, though, you got to share with the people uh, where they can find you at, your, your handles, IG <laughs> and Twitter and all, all that good stuff. Yes, um, you can find me on Instagram at UnoyaFit. That's E-U-N-O-I-A-F-I-T. Um, you can find me on Twitter. I don't even know. I think my Twitter, I think everything's UnoyaFit across the board except for Facebook. But most of my, my business stuff is on my Instagram. I get a little reckless on Twitter, so you might not want to follow me. There. <laughs> Real you, quick, you said. Does UnoyaFit uh, mean something? What, is, what does that stand for? Yes, you know if it is Greek in origin, it has uh, two meanings. It means the goodwill that you cultivate between yourself and whatever audience you're interacting with, and also means to have a well mind. Okay, okay, cool. How'd you how'd you come up with that? I found that word in uh, college during my uh, senior art exhibition, and my teacher at the time gave me a lot of crap about it. He's like, nobody's gonna know. Nobody's gonna know how to pronounce that. Nobody's gonna know what that means. And of course, me being me, I was like, all right, I'm just going to name my entire art exhibition. <laughs> and it actually was a hit because it was a conversation starter. People want to know, how do you say that? What does it mean? And so now I'm able to tell you about whatever it is I need to tell you about because now we're talking. It all ties together. It all ties back yep. together. It does. But yes, oh, you can also find uh, training information on my website, youknowyourfit.com which I wanted to say um, when I was doing some research for this episode, uh, my wife came across your website. She said she liked your vibe. So, oh, thank uh, you. Yeah. Tell her I said, thank you. That makes me feel good. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. So um, no, thank you. Uh, thank you very much, Alyssa. Uh, gave us some really good information. Um, please shout out to her, uh, reach out to her. Um, Terrence, you got anything else? Man, that's it. That's a wrap. I think we went over uh, just about everything today and appreciate it. It was uh, fantastic information. Thank you guys so much for having me. I look forward to linking up with you guys again in the future. Very much. Thank you very much. All right, everybody. Thank you for listening. Uh, this is Larry Black Financial Initiative. Terrence, we got to thank Alyssa again. Y'all have a good day. Bye. Right, peace.